Hey, welcome to New City Online. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this is your first time tuning in, we're glad you're here. If you'd like to let us know you're here, you can do so at newcity.us/connect. You can fill that form out online and I'll be in touch with you this week about next steps. Here at New City, we wanna be known as a generous church. As followers of Jesus, we believe that God has entrusted us as stewards of the resources he's given to us. Resources like our time and our talents and our finances. Part of living a fully devoted life to King Jesus is trusting him with all those things and letting him use them to advance his kingdom here on earth. If you'd like to support the work and ministry here at New City, you can do so at newcity.us give. Now let's continue to worship together.
This is the name that we get to sing to. God, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. You're worthy of our best. You're worthy of our praise. So we love you and we thank you, God, for this moment of being with you in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. This story Jesus told comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man of two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money back on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has it will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside, into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 22. That's how many stories we've walked through in the Gospel of Matthew, these parables that Jesus told. And we're excited today to finish our series, the stories Jesus told, with maybe the best of all the parables, the parable of the talents. So if you have a copy of the scriptures or you have the New City app, I want to encourage you to open to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to be in verses 14 through 30 today. And as we're getting started, let me thank all of our next-gen readers, our kids and students that have been reading all the parables with us at the beginning of the messages, and uh, grateful to have Pastor Rodney joining me today as we finish our series together. You know, the parables were meant to be parallels to our own lives. They were meant to be ways that that Jesus entered into our story so that we could understand and see more of his story, more of his kingdom perspective. And so uh, the, the same word for parable uh, is, the, is the word where we get the word uh, in English parallel. So it, uh, parables were meant to paral- uh, parallel our realities and, and draw us closer to the heart of God. And, and actually the parables 
uh, were meant to do two things specifically. There, there was a purpose behind them. Uh, they were meant to conceal, and they were also meant to reveal. So uh, the disciples, like halfway through the gospel of Matthew, after Jesus has told many of these parables, they ask them, you know, Jesus, what's, what's the purpose? What's the, the reason for the parables? And, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 12. They come, they say, why do you tell parables? And he says, you, the disciples, are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Verse 12, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And that's actually a parallel to the story that we want to tell today, the parable of the talents. Jesus is essentially saying that uh, to the people that want to understand, that want to, to hear about the kingdom of heaven, that want to know more of the heart of God, these stories uh, make that accessible to them. But to the ones who don't want to understand, who really don't want, want to hear about the kingdom of heaven, the parables actually hide truth in plain sight. You know, stories, these parables are sticky. I think you would agree with me that facts fade. I don't know if you're like me, but you can tell me a bunch of facts and I'm going to forget. They, they fade. But stories stick. I love what Dina Metzger said about stories. She said, when stories nestle in the body, the soul comes forth. And I think that's a, a perfect description as we jump into this final story that Jesus told of the purpose of the parables. Uh, these, these stories that Jesus told had a way of hitting people in their body, in their, their, their senses, their, their sight, and their, their sound, and what they had experienced in everyday life. But they, they called the, the soul forth. They, they were more than just stories about uh, grain or pearls or talents, <laughs> as we're going to talk about today. They, they were meant to be something much uh, deeper and more meaningful. They were meant to, to help us understand the very heart of God. So with that in mind, Let's jump into the final parable in the Gospel of Matthew, the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25. All right, the parable of the talents. Hopefully by now you have Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 14. Now this is the parable of the talents, or the parable of the loan money, which is another way this parable has been described. But if you think about it, everything we have is on loan. Really, if you think about it, everything we have is on loan. And this parable is one of the richest of the stories that Jesus told, no pun intended. But this parable describes or explains how, as Christ followers, we are to keep watch during our wait for his return. And our bottom line as we conclude this series today is don't waste the wait. Don't waste the wait. Now, as we jump into our parable today, our parable is about a man who is going on a journey. A wealthy man takes a long trip, and while he is gone, he picks three of his servants and entrusts them with his wealth while he was, is gone. Now, the key word here is entrust. The key word is entrust, meaning they are not the owners. They are not the owners. They are entrusted with the owner's resources. Have you ever been entrusted with something valuable in your life? I remember the first time my brother and I at age nine, we were entrusted with the keys 
to the house. My parents, with their schedule, they didn't have time to be home when we got home from school, and so they entrusted us with the keys to the home, and that was a huge responsibility for us at nine years old, but it was a, a responsibility that our parents entrusted us with. And so in Jesus's day, this was a fairly common thing to do. When someone was traveling a long way, they couldn't just pull out an iPhone and, and, and put money into a digital account. Instead, they would trust people to manage their wealth. And often managers would get a share of the profits in this culture. Now, the implication here is that a man is entrusting all of his property to these three servants. Now, to be clear, we're talking about vast sums of money here, vast sums of money. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first started reading the scriptures, I didn't know what a talent was. I didn't know. I assumed that when I read this parable that it meant that the master gave out five coins to one, two coins to another, and one coin to one. But that couldn't be further from the truth. You see, one talent equaled 15 years worth of wages. One talent, 15 years worth of wages. Most people in Jesus' day lived hand to mouth, meaning they would work that day to feed their family that night. So to save up a year's worth of wages would have been incredible wealth. Not many people today can do that. And so the people in Jesus' audience that day probably wouldn't have known anyone who owned a talent of money. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars here. So our, the master in our story, he leaves for a long trip and nobody knows how long he'll, he'll be gone or when to expect him to return. It was likely months, if not years. And so the owner was entrusting his estate to his workers with the expectation that they would steward it well, now remember, with parables, there's the story, then there's the rest of the story. And I think, you know, what's interesting about that too, Rodney, is if you look at verse 15, the, the owner entrusts his estate to these three servants, and there's an interesting little uh, marker there at the end of verse 15. It says that he entrusted them according to their abilities, so the, 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 the master knew his servants. He knew what their abilities were, uh, their personalities, and, and, and how much they could handle. And as, as Rodney just reminded us, the, 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 the parable is a parallel to the kingdom of God. So Jesus is huddled up with his disciples on the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem. Uh, he's coming right towards the end of his ministry. He's telling these last stories about his second coming, his departure, and then his, his return, which we're in that period right now. And he reminds his disciples, he reminds each of us that as he knows our abilities, he, he's going to entrust us with, with parts of his kingdom. And as we continue the story and look at verses 16 through 18, as Jesus entrusts different uh, disciples with different parts of his kingdom and different portions of his kingdom and his estate, there's a, a reaction that we see here from the three servants. Look at it with me in verses 16 and 18. There's three distinctive reactions. The first two are similar, and the last one is really different. So we see that the one that's entrusted with five, he immediately goes, and he starts wanting to double 
his master's uh, investment in him. Uh, he knows he's going to get a portion of that, as Rodney reminded us, that this was a common practice. Again, uh, parables paralleled everyday life and reality. So Jesus' listeners, his disciples here, would have understood what it meant to be entrusted with a master's estate and to, to, to be a good steward of that and to invest in that. And so this five-talent uh, servant that was given a vast sum of money, probably more than he had ever seen in his life, he goes and immediately begins to multiply that. And the same with the two-talent servant. He goes and begins to, to multiply and doubles that investment. And then there's a distinctive reaction from the third servant that's given one talent. What does he do? He goes and he starts digging a hole. And this part of the story really could be summarized if you're taking notes, double or dig. What do I do with what's been entrusted to me? Uh, the talents were a metaphor. Now, they were a Greek measurement, as Rodney mentioned, but they were a metaphor in Jesus' story here for his kingdom investment in our lives, according to our natural God-given abilities. Uh, the king has invested in us, and he expects a return on his investment for the kingdom. The first two servants model what it looks like to go and multiply and invest uh, the kingdom resources that have been given to us. They go and begin to try to double that. And we're meant to go spread the gospel to someone else so that that as we've been entrusted, as, as we've been invested in, that we would go and do that for someone else that it wouldn't end with us. But there are some folks who just begin digging a hole. Uh, you've heard of the, the, the phrase or the colloquialism, uh, some people play to win and some people play what? Not to lose. And I think that's a, a fair expression to be used for the parable of the talents. That the first two servants, the, the five and the two talent servant, they, they play to win. They, they want to take what's been invested in them and go and multiply it and win even more for the kingdom, for their master. But the third servant, just to pay attention to him for a moment, he begins to dig a hole. And he, he, he buries the gift that's been given to him uh, to entrust and so as to not lose it. Let, let me just bury it so I won't lose it. And again, as a metaphor for our own lives, as God invests in us different talents and gifts and resources, we can multiply it and, and want to win for the kingdom and expand the kingdom, or we can, we can bury it. And some of you, some of us, if the truth is told, when we think about this story, we've taken all kinds of talents that God has given to us, and we've buried them someplace. We're, we're playing so as to not lose instead of to, to win for the kingdom. And I think it's just really interesting from a gospel perspective as we think about the rest of the story and what's getting to happen in the next few chapters in the life of Jesus, they're getting ready to dig a hole and try to bury him. But the gospel can't be contained. Jesus' life couldn't be contained in a hole. And the life that he's given to you and to me is not meant to be buried somewhere. It's meant to be expanded. Remember, this story is an expression of the kingdom of heaven. There's more happening here. And in this waiting time, in this time between uh, the king le leaving and his eventual uh, return, which we say, come Lord Jesus, we, we welcome your return. Maybe today. But in the meantime, in this time between uh, the, the departure of the king and the return of the king, we're not meant to waste that time. 
We're not meant to waste the weight. We're meant to invest and multiply the talents that have been given to us in the kingdom of heaven. That's good. That's so good. And so our story continues with the settling of the accounts, settling of the accounts. Now, after a long time, again, it could have been months, it could have been years, but the master of the house shows back up to settle the accounts with those that he has entrusted with his wealth. And guess who was the first ones to show up? The ones that had absolutely nothing to hide. Ones with nothing to hide. So we see first that the one that was entrusted with five, he shows up and he says, you entrusted me with five talents. I have made for you five more. And then he hears those words. The servant hears those words that we all should long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your Master, Now, you've been faithful over what? Let's remember this. Faithful over what? 75 years worth of wages. 75 years worth of wages. And now I'm going to put you in charge of the big stuff? Wow. I mean, that's, that's incredible to think about. It's incredible. And it just makes me wonder what God wants to give us if we would just trust him and be faithful over what he's already put in our hands. And so we see the same thing happen with the one that had two or the two talent guy. Different amount, but the same result. He doubled what his master had given to him. He doubled what his master had given to him. And then as Chris alluded to, we see now the one that was given or entrusted with one. What happens with him? He says, I didn't do anything with what you entrusted me with. I didn't do anything with it. Can you imagine that? I gave you back the exact same thing that you gave me. You gave me all of this to manage and multiply for you, and I did nothing with it. I played not to lose instead of playing to win. But notice that instead he uses an accusation to cover up his irresponsibility. And accusations against others can sometimes be great covers for our own sin and our own disobedience. He said, I knew you were a harsh man. I knew you were a harsh man. So remember here that there is more to this story. And Jesus is telling a parallel story about his kingdom. But there's a story inside of the story. Because in Jesus' story, wasted time is never Waiting time, rather, is never wasted time. Yeah, and I love that point about the accusation because I, I immediately think about, like, I wonder what you think about that as you hear it. Um, I think about Genesis 3, all the way back to the original sin in the Bible. And when God shows up in the garden and calls Adam and Eve to account, uh, what do they do? They begin to accuse. Uh, Adam says, you know, it was the woman Uh, It was the snake. And those accusations oftentimes cover up our own culpability. And we see that happening here. Not not much has changed. Um, The the third servant who has done nothing, who has dug a hole and has not invested the talents that the master has entrusted to him, he uses an an, an accusation. He says, you know, I, I knew you were a harsh man. 
and that you sowed crops from fields that you didn't, um, or that you harvested crops from fields that you didn't sow into. In other words, you were, uh, you, you didn't do the work. And so he levels a, a huge accusation against the owner, and he tries to hide behind that accusation his own sin and disobedience to being a good steward of what's been entrusted to him. And I just, I just wonder if we don't sometimes do the same. And if you, you see the final part of the story here, verses 26 through 30 in Matthew 25, the owner doesn't even try to hide his frustration with the servant. He just comes straight out here in verse 26, and he says, you wicked, and what? What's the word? Lazy servant. Uh, This goes all the way back to verse 15. It wasn't because of his lack of ability. He had the ability. Remember, the master knows his servant's abilities, and he's given to them and invested in them according to the abilities that they have. So it's not an ability thing. It's, 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 it's not being willing to, um, to, to work and use your gifts. It's not being willing to, to show up. And so the master says, hey, you're a, you're a wicked and you're a lazy servant. Just, just comes right at him. And he says, you know, if these accusations of me being overly demanding or, you know, n- not harvesting where I'd sown, if, if, if they were true, then you should have used your own words and at least invested the gift that I gave to you in a bank so I could at least have drawn interest. But the owner knows that the accusations are just a cover. They're just a cover for the servant's own wicked heart and his, and his laziness. It, it, it turns out, I think this is really interesting, that how a servant stewards a master's estate or the gifts reveals what's in their heart towards the master. In other words, to, to use the parable of, uh, and, and the parallel of the story in our own lives, how we steward the gifts that God has given to us, the, the talents that God has invested in our hearts and our lives, reveals how we feel about God himself. To interpret the story, of course, the master is God himself, and the servants are who? They're us. We're the servants, disciples, the, the followers of Jesus. We're, we're the servants in the story. And what is revealed here is that one of these servants isn't an actual follower of the king. What's revealed is, is his heart and his discontentedness towards his master, his, his wicked and hard heart towards the king. It reveals that he's actually not a part of the kingdom. And if you look at verse 30, uh, this, the, the master calls it out. He says, throw out the useless servant into darkness. This is a metaphor for hell, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that little phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, is a colloquialism that was used in the first century, and it really means regret, that it's a place of regret. And that's what hell is. It's a place of eternal separation and darkness from God. It's a place of regret, where the servant regrets his actions and his lack of investment and trust in the kingdom of God. And it reminds us, again, that God has invested in us. Uh, it, 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 it might be money. It might be some sort of gift that God has given to you, a, a talent, a literal talent that he's uh, given to you and gifted you to entrust. It might be an experience. It might be the family that you were born into or the, the opportunities that you have that God has orchestrated in his sovereignty to invest in you as his servant. And so God expects a, a kingdom investment, if you will, and a kingdom return on his investment in each and every one of us. And we'll give an account for that. That's the story of the parable of the talents. So as we, as we finish this final story, 
that, that Jesus told in the Gospel of Matthew. Let's, let's finish as we have with all the parables with application because the stories were meant to be applied. All of the scriptures are meant to be put into practice in our lives. So uh, Rodney and I want to give you just a couple of applications for this final parable today. All right, so as we, as Chris said, as we close this, this parable in this series today, uh, the first application that I really need us to understand is that there are no, no talent Christians. Now, there are people with varying talents, but what we see in this story is that there are no, no talent people in this story. And there are no, no talent people watching this, this, this broadcast today. There are no, no talent people. I need you to hear me when I say that. There are no, no talent people. It's important for us to come to value and prize what God has given to us as individuals. It's important for us to value and prize that. Maybe the, the one talent man thinks his gifts are, are too small and they won't matter. They won't really count. Maybe somebody has felt that way. I know there were times in my life and ministry that, that I felt that way, that, that my gifts really didn't count or they really didn't matter. I think what happens for a lot of us is we tend to compare our talents with others instead of using what God has given to us, valuing what God has given to us. The one talent man in our story, as we saw, was harboring anger and resentment towards God. And maybe, maybe that's a part of your story as well. Dr. Darius Daniels said once that comparison is a calling killer. Comparison is a calling killer. So the first thing as an application that we want you to know today is that, is that you have been gifted by God. You've been given talent, special abilities by God. And one of the takeaways for us from this story is that we need to value that. We need to prize that because God has entrusted each of us as a Christ follower with everything we need to fulfill his unique purposes for our lives. Because the truth is, is that God won't ask us, what did you do with what I gave the person beside you? He's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? Because when Jesus returns, he will ask all of us to give an account, not for our salvation, because that was a gift. We couldn't, we couldn't earn that. But what he will ask is how do we steward the gifts that he gave to us? Yeah, I love that. And, you know, because it's, it's those two phrases that he shares with the two servants, the five and the, the two talent servants is, well done, my good and my faithful servant. And maybe that's a, a word to underline in the passage is, is faithful, that God, you know, as Rodney said, calls us to be a, a faithful and a good steward of the gifts that God's given to us not someone else. We'll, we'll give an account for the gifts and the talents that God has given to us. And I think it's so easy uh, to look across the way at someone else and to think, well, they, they, they got more than, than I got. And if I had what they had, then I would be a good steward of that instead of stewarding the gifts and the experiences and the personality and all that God has given to you. Well, here's, here's the second application. The second application is to enter the joy of your master. And that's the phrase uh, that occurs here in the in the passage as well. That in the NLT it says, uh, "Come, let's celebrate t- together. Come and 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 join the party." The master is saying to his servants, and I think that's a picture of heaven, as you know, as we imagine standing before Jesus and giving an account, as Rodney said, to the gifts, the talents that God has given to us while we wait. 
um, and using those for kingdom investment to be, to be multiplied. We long to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. We're not in charge of the increase or the success. We're in charge of being faithful and good stewards of what God has given to us. And this, the, the passage that sticks out to me when uh, Jesus is, is talking to the churches uh, of Revelation and, and specifically in chapter 3, he says, Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. Revelation 3.21, just as I was victorious, Jesus says, and set with my Father on his throne. You say, Chris, what does that have to do with this, this passage? Because entering the joy of the master, entering into the celebration, is ruling and reigning with Jesus in eternity. That's a, it's a picture of what heaven is meant to be. And so in heaven will be our true selves, who God really made us to be, fully alive. And I love that phrase that you pointed out that uh, when the master says, you know, you've been faithful with a little bit, which was a lot, right? It was a lot of money. But, but the master says, now I'm going to entrust you with a lot. And I think about that for this parable too, that as Jesus says, I'm entrusting you with a little bit in his kingdom economy. Um, and, and when you get to heaven, uh, you, now you're really going to see what it means to rule and to reign with me, to steward all the gifts that I've, I've given all of humanity and help to rule with me. What, what, what a picture that we'll sit with Jesus and we'll steward the creation that he's made with him. And as we wait in the, in, in the meantime, let, let, let's remember our bottom line today. Don't waste the wait. In this, in this in-between of the, the king leaving and eventually returning, and we believe that he will return, even today. We don't know the hour or the time, but we're called to be ready. We talked about last week, the only way to prepare for an unexpected day is to be ready today. Don't waste the wait. I want to invite each of you to come back next week. Uh, at one of our locations, if you're in the Charlotte area, or watch here at New City Online as we begin a brand new series, No Matter What. It's a study of the book of Daniel. It's going to be an awesome study and journey together as a church, and we want you to be a part of that. And if there's someone else in your life that is looking for a church home or uh, could be blessed by the study of Daniel, I want to encourage you this week to make an invitation for them to join us as we begin our study next weekend together. And thank you to all of you who've been listening and tuning into this entire series. We pray that this message and this series was a blessing to your heart and your soul. And if that is the case, pray that you would share it with somebody you know that can be blessed by this series as well. Won't you pray with us? God in heaven, thank you for taking the time to parallel your eternal truths with our everyday lives. Thank you for all the things that you've shown us throughout this series for the seeds of righteousness, God, that were planted in our hearts and in our minds through this series. We pray, God, that in your timing, these seeds will be watered and that there will be increase, God, because you are a faithful and a loving God. We pray, God, that you would help us to know that you all, you have created each of us uniquely and you've gifted us, God. You've given us gifts and talents to serve, to advance your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to identify those gifts and to value what you've given us, Lord. It's okay to admire what you've given to others, but help us to value the way you have uniquely crafted and shaped each of us in the image, in your image and in your likeness, God. So God, we pray that you would help us as we identify and value those gifts that 
we wouldn't waste the weight, that we would be good stewards over all of the gifts that you have entrusted us with. God, they belong to you. We pray that you would help us to steward these gifts well, God. So we pray for, we come against any insecurities, any, any comparisons, God, that is keeping us from being good stewards over the gifts that you have given us, Lord. And we pray that you would refresh our hearts and refresh our minds, God. That you would continue to remind us of just how valuable we are to you and just how valuable we are to your kingdom. So we bless you, God, we honor you, and we praise you for the gifts that you have given us. We pray that you help us to steward them well to the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If we will behold him and every tear he'll wipe away and we'll be at home the war will be over soon we will meet our savior face to face and all the Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City. If you would, no matter where you are, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.